Welcome to the True Face Podcast, where we have conversations about what we can learn from what's going on in our lives. My name's Robbie Angle, and I'll be your guide as we learn how to increase trust and experience grace. Most of us get stuck in our relationships with God and others, and we end up wondering, is this really all there is to it? True Face equips you to experience deeper relationships with God and others, equipping a growing group of men and women with a toolbox of teaching and experiences to help you become more fully known, fully loved, and fully alive. And on this episode of the True Face Podcast, I am with Craig Anderson. Craig, welcome to the True Face Podcast, man. How are you? Good, Robbie. Great to be with you. How's the weather up in Montana? Hey, it's spring now. We're in our seventies or something, but uh, with snow a couple weeks ago, so we're we're clicking along. So, so Craig has been married to Jane for thirty nine years. He's got two kids. He is a fifth generation Montanan. Both he and Jane's families go back to like the eighteen hundreds in Montana, right, Craig? My family, especially. You're you're like the epitome of like an American cowboy to me. I, yeah, right. it, it, like I think my alter ego if I had like a an alter ego it would be just like a rancher country boy redneck whatever you want to call it I feel you're you're not you're not those things but in my mind I'm gonna have you being those things so I can't right. even like though that. I was this nerdy analytical CPA not a cow <laughs> didn't you weren't you born on like a cattle ranch uh, yeah, in montana I was, I was born on a small cat poor cattle ranch in montana right so i got those roots that go all the way back i yeah. love it i the, wear boots you, you saw me wear boots oh yeah yeah oh yeah, yeah. the uh you so you're retired now you were you started as a cpa you went into financial services where you spent most of your professional career in financial services and Craig, Craig has become a friend over the past couple of years, an unlikely friend. Um, there's a couple things that have blessed me by you uh, that I want to share with you. Um, what one is early in our relationship, your uh, just love for me and the way I felt loved for you. And in, in one of our calls on Zoom, which we've we've had a Zoom relationship primarily, um, you said, "Hey, which of your kids uh, can I pray for?" and I asked the spirit in that moment, you know, what kid should I ask Craig to intervene for on behalf of the God of the universe for the sake of my kid, which is nothing more loving to do than to pray on behalf of somebody else's kid. And, and it was Titus and the amount of times you've followed up and said, Hey, how's Titus and the little things you've done when you love my kid, I just feel so loved by you. So that has been significant to me and impactful more than I think you're intended and know and second, you, um, you're in your 60s, you retired, um, and, and you have a fresh awareness of the depths of God's love later in your life. And watching the passion and the commitment um, to your life in these later years has been so encouraging, partly because one of my fears, concerns is not living a life of purpose. And, and I work with a lot of men and women, and I see men and women in their 50s, 60s, 70s, too often in the church relegate to passivity or abdication of, um, towards comfort, which breaks my heart and scares me, uh, as a high drive, high achiever. You know, it's like this, this fear of going, man, we should, those should be incredibly productive kingdom years, of maturing into experiencing the depths of the Father's love. And too often our society lulls Christians into, into comfort and safety and deeper ruts, uh, which, which are in the way of, of, of ongoing difficult growth. And your humility coupled with your passion in this season of your life has been a blessing uh, to me and my fear. So thanks, man. I, I get to say thank you if I've not said thank you for both of those things. Well, thanks, Robbie. I sure covet and cherish our relationship. And you're a guy that walks the talk. So, you know, the conversations that we've had over the last two or three years have been one to go, you know, you get it and and you walk your talk. So I've always appreciated about you. And that's how I describe you to others. So it's a stumbling yeah. walk, but at least I'm trying to walk, right? Um, so, so catch us up. I know a little bit about your story. That's been such a blessing encouragement to me, but give us context of this journey, particularly in this season of your life. Yeah. So 
My parents were both only children. My mom came from a small farm in Montana. Her best friend was a cat. And my dad came from a small, poor cattle ranch. And his best friend was a dog and a horse. So my parents were great communicators with dogs and horses and cats, Robbie, but not so much with each other and not so much with my brother and I. They, they loved us, but they just didn't talk about the important stuff. And, and because of some traumatic issues in my dad's life, his goal for me growing up was not to embarrass him. He trusted me, he gave me appropriate boundary, boundaries, but still the edict was, uh, don't embarrass me. So that, in hindsight, that really started my <clears throat> identity journey. And that was, you know, my identity is in what I did and I had to perform to be loved. And, and so that started this part of my identity of who Craig used to be. So, and I, I didn't embarrass him, Robbie. So that, that was good news, mm. good news for me. So roll forward 40 years and or back 40 years. And I met Christ 40 years ago. I was a CPA in a new city. I was invited to a Bible study hosted by an older urologist who was well-respected. So I listened and learned in that. And, and one night I went to a bar, and I don't even know if, if I actually just went to the parking lot and turned around, or if I actually went in the bar and then got in my car and went home. But I, got, I went to my apartment, I got on my hands and knees in this apartment and said, God, I'm going to try it your way for a week. So I'm not sure I even knew what his way was, but, but I anted up for another week and another week and another week. And so it's now 40 years later. So that was the beginning of my faith. It's interesting in Hebrews, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And only my trust pleases him, something I did learn about that aspect for 65 years. But the verse goes, also goes on to say, for whoever draws near to him must believe that he exists. So I believe that he existed, God. Didn't know much about him, certainly didn't know him. And that he rewards those who seek him. So I was rewarded because I sought God. And that's been a theme uh, through my life as well, is that um, I was rewarded. I said, hey, I'll try your way for a week. And I was rewarded. And I've really sought him the last three years. And I've been rewarded. Hmm. So I met Christ 40 years ago. I've been married to my wonderful wife and best friend, Jane, for 39 years. We have two boys, both in their 30s. I've gone to the same church with great leadership for 40 years, wonderful church in Billings. I met with the same group of friends every week for 40 years. Okay. I worked for the same firm for 35 years. So I've been a pretty boring guy, Robbie, pretty, a pretty boring guy, but, um, but I performed not to embarrass. And I, so that was kind of my edict. You know, your worth is not what you do. Your worth is in what you do, not in who you are. So that's the sad part about it. And sad part about that was that's, uh, that's what my kids caught for me as well, mm. right? You have to perform to be loved. You have to perform to be loved. And so that's pretty yucky stuff, Robbie, you know, to, to be that guy. Mm. So... I decided to retire about 35 years ago from the team that I had created. And during that, sadly, I had some very serious diff relational difficulties in that transition and they hurt really bad. And the worst hurt I'd ever experienced. So I was retired, I was hurt with the feeling that somebody owed me something. Mm. So I was angry. And when you're angry, you say, you owe me, you owe me. So and I was a workaholic with no work. This was Fresh. when you just retired a couple years just ago retired. after 35 yep. years? Yeah. Gotcha. So, so 
So I, re, I, so I retired hurt. I retired as an alcoholic with no work to do. A workaholic, I mean, with a workaholic with no work to do. Um, depression runs through my family. And so I dealt with that at that point in time. You know, my worth was in what I did and I had little to do. So it was a, it was a sullen time for me. But I'd always, I'd always, God had always given me direction in the past. And I'd had various aha moments with God where I had this aha moment. I read the scripture that jumped off the page or something where it was really God giving me direction. So I knew that he had given me direction before and I trusted he could do it again. Right, Robbie, I could trust he, he would give me direction again. Hmm. So I was given a quote about three and a half years ago from a friend of yours, Andy Stanley. And this quote was, your legacy, how you will be remembered, will be from your final chapter, not necessarily your finest chapter. It would seem wise, therefore, to finish well, to make your final chapter your finest chapter. Well, I knew at that point in time that my, my current normal would not lead me to my finest chapter. So I had to create a new normal. So I knew that. I knew I needed to do something to create a new normal if I, if I really wanted my final chapter of my life to be my finest chapter. So I was getting, I picked out a book and I read it. And I liked it and I studied it and I spent time at it. And so after I got done with that book, I asked a friend if he had a book I should read. So he gave me two names of books and said, hey, here's two good books. I said, which one would you pick? He said, well, I would read this book called The Cure. And so those, that book was written by the founders of the organization, which you're now the big cheese of, right? So um so I read that book and I read it and I studied it and I go, you know, I'm going to journal this book as well. So I probably spent a month, two, three, four months. Hmm. And I took the book, The Cure, and I journaled it into 59 pages of journal notes. Some guy says, the book's only 85 pages, Greg. I mean, how can, how can you, how could it, could you just rewrite the whole thing? I, I guess maybe, maybe that's what I did. But this book <clears throat> sent me on a journey. And the subtitle of the book, interestingly, says, what if God isn't who you think he is and neither are you? What if God isn't who you think he is and neither of you? And so that has really played out for me. That has really played out for me. So in the midst of this going through the book, The Cure, I got, I just, I'd obviously signed up for to get emails from you guys. No, I didn't know anything about you. And so in the midst of that time, I got this email saying, hey, we have this high trust leadership course. And it's 16 weeks, cost 400 bucks. And I felt like God led me to take it. Hmm. I had the time. I had 400 bucks. So within this cohort, there was 10 of us that took this course together everywhere from Michigan to Arizona to Australia. And within it, there were videos to watch and some reading to do. And you're asked to every week to write a response to a question. Okay. And so probably it was like week four, maybe um, the subject was identity and the question was asked, um, who does God say that you are? Mm. And I go, what? I, I've never sadly even thought about the question, who does God say that you are? Now, I could answer the question, who does God, who does Craig say that I am? Okay. And I could say, well, I'm analytical. I'm now becoming a, more of a learner. I'm you know, people say I'm somewhat focused and disciplined. And certainly I could say, who does Craig say that I'm not? So I would, sadly, I would wake up probably at four in the morning, 
for 40 years, I would wake up at four in the morning and just self-loathe. Mm. And so I would say, oh, my goodness, you know, I can't believe you said this. You can't believe you did that. Oh, you forgot to do this. Oh, you forgot to do that. Oh, you should have done that. Oh, you shouldn't have said that. It was just a self-loathing. I'd probably lay there from four to four, four to five in the morning, just self-loathing. Then I'd get up and it would kind of just drain out of me to some degree. Well, I could really tell you who Craig wasn't. Okay. And I could also say, answer the question, who is God? You know, so I could sit down and write a list of all the attributes of God. But when the question was, who does God say that I am? It was like a blank to me, Rob. It was just, Hmm. I go, what? I I really don't know. Hmm. And so it sounds corny, but I... I kind of said, okay, God, uh, you tell me who I am then. Okay. I'm not going to predispose it. I'm not going to pre or assume anything. You just tell me who I am. And so I was, I must've been driving, but I, and this is the corny part. I listened to the song on the radio and all of a sudden this song keeps going through my mind and my mind and my mind. It was a song by mercy me called, Dear Younger Me. And this song is about a person that says, what would I tell my younger self? Okay, if I had to start over again, what would I tell my younger self? And the end of the song, it basically summarizes and says, I would tell myself that all this shame and hurt and longings and unmet expectations, you were never meant to carry this beyond the cross. That's what I tell myself. And then the chorus said, I am holy, I am righteous, I am one of the redeemed, set apart, a brand new heart, I am free indeed. I am holy, I am righteous, I am one of the redeemed, set apart, a brand new heart, I am free indeed. And this that chorus kept running through my mind, ran, running through my mind, running run through my mind and says, well, God... If this, if who you say that I am starts with this corny song, Dear Younger Me, I'm all in. Hmm. So I took those and I memorized verses that would say, Who does, you know, who I am holy and I am righteous. Okay. So the first verse I memorized, I actually have a plaque with all these verses on it. And I'm showing you not right now, Robbie, the Zoom call. But I am holy, I am righteous. The first verse I memorized was Ephesians 4.24. Put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true holiness and righteousness. In the way I learned that verse, when he says put on the new self, he didn't say go to Walmart, buy a sweatshirt, put it on. He didn't say that. He says, no, put on the new self. Pull up to the surface that which is already within you. Mm. You know, rise to the top that which is already in you. You're already holy and righteous. That's what I did for you on the cross, right? So you need to put that on. Bring that to the top. Craig, you're holy and you're righteous. You know, Scripture says that for our sake, he who knew no sin became sin, so that might become the righteousness of God. So I memorize those verses. And so that's then, you know, I'm holy, I'm righteous, I am one of the redeemed. You know, I have blotted out your transgressions like a cloud, your sins like mist. Return to me, for I've redeemed you. So that was the next verse that I memorized. So I started memorizing these verses, Robbie, about who does God say that I am. And I started with those six. And then I started adding to that, like, you know, I'm a new creation. And I'm a child of God. I'm a joint heir with Christ. And Christ abides in me and I in him. And I'm more than a conqueror. And I'm a partaker of the divine nature. And I'm not perfected by the flesh. You know, I have. And and so my whole view of that really changed my identity. Mm. My identity is becoming not as much what, who you would think that I am, but who, who does God say that I am? Mm. And so that, and then with the self-loathing in the mornings and early in mind, I would, I'd say, okay, when I wake up four in the morning, I am holy. I am righteous. I'm one of the redeemed that I go through those verses and I replace that self-loathing with the truth about me. 
I started that process of, of, of saying, these are lies, and I'm going to place them with the truth. And that's been transformational for me. Mm. My view of God changed. You know, I used to always have this view of God that was like, God's across the table from me or across the room. My sin is there between us. And, and you know, I view God more better when, you know, I'm doing better. And when I'm not doing good, I don't see him so clearly and all. But, but, but what I learned was that actually God, God's, God died for all those sins. How, how could my sins separate me from God, right? It, he, he's my, Jesus stands next to me. God stands next to me with his arms around me. No sin separates us. You know, we're cheek to cheek. He, my, his, he said, my sin doesn't, your sin doesn't separate me. I died for that. Mm. You know, that's why I came, by the way. Mm. And so, so my view of God then became, you know, I have stuff. I have flesh where sin dwells. Certainly, I'm a saint who sins, but but God says, you know, we let's work on that together. Mm. Okay, let's let's stand arm in arm. Look at your stuff, and you got a lot of it, Craig. I mean, you know, kind of feel like God sometimes go, Craig. There's a lot of stuff there. Do you, like, do you even sleep at night? I mean, I don't know. You know, I, there's a lot of stuff there, but but we want to work on it together. So. So my view of God really changed during this point in time too. So, and it was easier for me to memorize verses I never used to do before. You know, I learned about repentance and forgiveness, what those look like, that those are gifts of God for my benefit. And did you know that God has a sense of humor, Robbie? I, that is a a difficult thing for me that I'm learning. (laughs) He has a sense. He has a, I think God has a sense of humor because he said, he basically said, you know, there's all these emotions and all these tears that you never had for 50 years. Hmm. And so all of a sudden now I'm going to pack them into two, three, four or five years because I can be an emotional mess in in just (laughs) a blink of an eye. And I go, oh my goodness, where did that come from? And I go, God's got a sense of humor because all of a sudden, man. Yeah, I have emotions. I mean, I've been emotional with you before. I get emotional right now talking about it. So, so, so that's been uh, a process for me as well. But during during this whole process, our church started a mentoring program for men, and I was asked to be one of those mentors along with a new friend, Kevin. And, and during his high trust leadership course that I was taking, there was a Zoom call and you were on it. Okay, so the first time I got to see this Robbie Engel, and I knew that, um, that you came from North Point. And, and so we were doing this mentoring group. So I obscurely emailed you and you would have on the blue got this email from this great dude in Montana who you'd never knew existed and i asked you a few questions about mentoring and you said man i'd love to talk to you about it so we had our first telephone call and and with that you gave us advice and materials and our church then decided to take what you had put together um a nine-month journey uh and so we took that lock, stock, and barrel. And so I had, I was assigned five young men. They were 24 to 48. They were all married. And we spent these nine months together. We answered questions and we were read books together. We were very vulnerable and authentic. You know, we cried, we laughed. And in month three, we went on this story retreat where the goal was that all of us would, uh, I had told my story already, and the five of them were to tell their stories, you know, talk about their who they were and their hurts and their mistakes and their shame and their unforgiveness and the successes that they had and how God had showed up in their lives to redeem it and, and how and where we wanted God to show up now to redeem us, right? And so 
it was a very powerful weekend of God's grace. And, and it was at that point I felt fully alive. Mm. It was that retreat. I go, yeah, I feel like God really showed up. I felt like God actually used me for the first time, maybe. Mm. So I felt like I had some impact in the, into that. And so it was a, a powerful time for me that first the first time we got to got together with those young men, they, those young men, this group ended probably two years ago. They're still meeting together. Five of them meet every month and they go to dinner with their wives. So it's been a, a great deal. And God's grace showed up and Dallas Willard, you know, he, he says that God's grace, God, our grace is God acting in our lives to accomplish what we cannot accomplish on our own. Mm. Just a great Grace is God acting. He's active in our lives to accomplish what we cannot accomplish on our own. And, and, I, and he accomplished some things that we could not accomplish on our own. So we saw God's grace show up. And so that was a powerful weekend. And, and so now you've provided a wonderful relational tool called True Face Journey, where Jane and I get to facilitate groups like that. And we get to God to know God more intimately and others more intimately. And, and that's a great relational tool. Jane and I are the closest we've ever been Mm. in our whole lives by going through this. And so that's, it's amazing. In the last three years of my journey. Um, I have a man, it's, before I jump into my 18 questions, um, I, I think uh, a friend of mine, Pete, said, hey, we, we don't do a good job um, celebrating and giving glory to God for cool yeah. stuff collectively. Yeah. And how, how God draws us and moves, um, when, we, when I hear your story um, and how God's doing stuff and comments like Jane and I are more in love and closer than we've ever been. Um, and, uh, just this journey of a loving father pursuing you praise God. Like we, I get to walk with you and share gratitude. Uh, I feel, um, a deep gratitude and thankfulness that we have a God that, um, loves us and pursues us. And so it's worship to think, highly to to think rightly of god is worship um i'm a terrible singer so i look for other ways to worship than singing um and i feel like that was fun to worship god um and going you are an amazing god and you love us like crazy and so thanks for letting me be a part of that and i feel like i gotta worship with you as it feels like you're worshiping him and and kind of recounting what that looks like um you mentioned jane at the end uh, Jane didn't want to be on the podcast. I asked her, shout out Jane. I love you. Um, but what would Jane say she's seen a, a difference in, in the past couple of years in you? Oh, I mean, I mean, you know, we, three of us visited a month ago or something. And you says, why Jane, why are you, why are you involved in all this? And she goes, she, she said, do you Craig? I mean, Robbie, I saw Craig's life change right before me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so that would be, and she would say, um, I like the man you're becoming. You know, so Robbie, maybe my final chapter will be my finest, but, uh, and we're, you know, and, and one of the, when I retired, one of my dreams is that Jane and I would do something together, but we're so different. She's fine and I'm not. She's got a whole bunch of close friends and I'm getting better at it. I mean, all these things, but 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 now by doing these these journey groups we're doing it together and so that's been a dream come true for me as well and during that process we're we're getting loved and and learning more about about who god says that we really are you know i love it um the you, you jumped in on this true face journey beta which is launching now for anybody uh for churches and individuals who uh really a lot of us 
experience grace and we want to be a part of the great commandment to go and make disciples. The problem is, who do I invest in and what do I do with them? That's a big barrier and that's a big problem. So that's our passion here to develop relational discipleship tools so that this is the thing I'm most excited about in the next few years, Craig, like this nine month tool for guys like you and I, for girls, for couples to more intentionally invest in others and pour our cup into theirs in an experience where they can not only learn about it, but taste it and experience it together. And, um, some of the best practices we're trying to put together for leaders. Um, if if you want to launch one of these groups, um, if you want to, launch them in your church, go to trueface.org forward slash trueface journey. Um, now's the time to make a decision to lead, uh, to, cause it takes a few months to gear up and launching groups in August and September is the, a great window to do a nine month journey. But some of that is best practices of, um, this, this journey equips you with what to do, how it, we have crowdsourced incredible insight from, from, um, ministries out there that have been doing this like radical mentoring to five years of doing this at North Point through leader development groups and then through years of of going back to the whiteboard after doing this for a decade and developing it through for Trueface and the what piece we've crowd sourced from incredible leaders and what works and doesn't work the who piece uh we we are equipping people with it's not that difficult. And part of that is what we learned from you, Craig, that we codified and put into this training for leaders because, you know, a, a lot of people in their 50s, 60s going, okay, I, I would love to invest intentionally uh, in four, three or four couples with my spouse or five, you know, six, seven, eight younger guys or girls a season or two behind me. I don't know six to eight younger guys or girls a season or two behind me. You you launched a group um by knowing one person and tell us about that. Like, uh, for people going, I don't know anybody. How did you do that? Cause that, that, that was a aha for me that now we're capturing and organizing to help people find people for their groups. One, this, this journey is, I mean, it's the best as far as one, knowing God better. And, and we all want to, to be known and to really to know others. Mm. And so these are, you know, we can have a lot of groups that are idea groups and information groups. And we can go to this group and it's gee whiz, here's what happened in Babylon or gee whiz, here's what Solomon did, or I call these gee whizzes. You know, gee whiz, uh, the Roman government did this, you know, and sometimes you can leave a setting like that and you kind of think, you know, that was interesting. It makes my faith a little less fuzzy, but a lot of times they go, yeah, I should have watched, stayed home and watched Monday night football. Yep. You know, and, but these groups are not that these are heart groups. We're talking about heart questions and we are talking about being authentic and transparent with one another. And so, and we get to spend nine months doing that together. And so it's, it, it's an awesome experience. And so, so I've been involved in three of these and four, including the one that I had with the, with, with the original young men. And for two of them, basically, we felt like we knew a couple in their 40s, okay? And we approached them and said, hey, here's, here's, here's what this is all about. And would you do it with us? Yep. And we, we, we're yearning for something like that ourselves as a couple. Okay. And so then he said, we said, so who are two or three, what are an, another couple or two that you would like to do this with? Yep. So we, we put that then in their hands. And so they came back and said, Oh, I'd love to do it with this couple and in, in this couple. And so they reached out to them and those couples said, yeah, we would, we'd love to do that. So, as you know about groups, because you've studied them for, you're a group nerd, aren't you? You know I mean, it. You, <laughs> you, know it. <laughs> you studied them. You know, the who's more important than the what. Yep. The who in the group is the most important. Yep. And, okay? that, and that insight into going, okay, I, I, I want to get a group of couples in their young 30s. I don't know any. Well, I can ask five of my friends in young 40s. 
hey, what couple do they know that's hungry to grow in their faith journey in their young 30s? My four friends would know one couple in their 30s at least who's yep. hungry to grow. I asked them, say, hey, do you know two or three other couples that are hungry? Well, they all know four or five because that's their peer group. That that answers the who question. Um, that then this what journey that's module-based and not prescriptive but but sets guys like Craig up to lead um, that, that was an insight we got from you that I was like, Oh, that makes it so much easier. That's a huge bottleneck in this that we need to make it easier for people. And, and what happens is because they know each other, they, they have yeah. a fondness for one another. And yeah. when you have a fondness, fondness for one another, maybe even know each other pretty well, then, then you can trust each other more quickly yep. because the, all of a sudden this trust becomes, becomes quickly happens with, we were in the first meeting with the group and and in one of these groups and um we got it became very authentic and vulnerable in the first meeting and and all of a sudden this young man says do you do you mean i have permission to talk about this yeah. it was like he's just oh yes yeah i can't believe this is a group where i could talk about this yep. you know and it was, there was just like that you're, you, you know, we talk a lot about masks and true yeah. faces. It's kind of like, you know, I'm, I mean, I can leave this mask at the door and kind of just let you know who I really am, we're really struggling with. And so that that fondness. So we, we've, uh, we found another, uh, we started another group and, and there was a young man that keep coming to my mind and I knew him a little bit and and it kept coming to my mind. It kept coming to my mind. And so finally, I go, okay, God, I got to find this guy's cell phone number. So I didn't have it. So I reached out to one of my kids who had a cell phone number. And so then I sat on it and I'm sitting and all of a sudden his name. So I, okay, God, I give up. I'm going to text this guy and meet him for 30 minutes. And so we, we met at his office for 30 minutes. And I kind of said what I was doing. I was just like, oh, my goodness. This is exactly what I need, right? And so I hope my wife will want to do this with me. So then there was a couple of weeks and and his wife said, we'll do it. So then we asked them to say, okay, who are two or three other couples that you'd like to do this with? And then um, then it's kind of up to us. Yeah. You know, one of the things that, that I'll do is to say is that, is to make sure that they understand this is a commitment. Okay. And, you know, the cool thing about these groups, Robbie, is that when we meet, there's seven meetings where we meet for three hours at a, at a time. Well, three hours is a good chunk oh, yeah. of time. And they have a commitment. They're going to meet three hours a month. And so, but what happens in that three hours, one, you can really develop things. You can really talk about books. You can talk about issues. You have time to talk about it. Plus, you, you're given a chance to kind of wind down during the first 10 or 15 or 20 minutes. A lot of times we'll finally get relaxed and wind down. The group's over. Yep. You know, in this case, we it, it isn't over. And so, so you guys have done a great job in preparing the pathway for these. And so hmm. uh, they're... I'm, I'm looking for, I'm going to put together an old man's group. You know, there's a lot of guys that are in their sixties and the thought is, well, gee, this whole idea of my, I'm going to be remembered for my final chapter. Yeah. There's a lot of guys that go, you know, uh, my current normal, I'm pretty stuck and my current normal probably isn't going to get me to my, finest chapter being my final chapter yep so i'm working on a group right now of this old guys like me to say okay we want to finish well right so let's let's spend nine months together and let's go through um you know who god is and who we are Hmm. let's let's really you know, maybe God isn't who we think he is and neither are we. Maybe we, maybe our view of God can really be tweaked. Our view of ourselves can really be tweaked and we can become unstuck and really, and ultimately God just wants us to love one another, right? He says, you know, forget all this stuff. Just go love one another 
and don't worry about this other stuff. So I, um, when you, when you were talking earlier about the, um, you know, in our new identity, we're to put on the righteousness of Christ. We're, we're to put on our new self. And, um, I've been thinking about that cause it, cause it's, um, you know, I, I, for the first time in my life, somebody unpacked, uh, the armor of God differently for me that, mm-hmm. um, if Christ is in me, that is my new self that I yeah. am Christ in me. And that if you look through the armor of God, um, those are all attributes of who Jesus is. Not that I have to earn try because it, that, that, sh- that low grade shame that you felt every morning as a Christian for 40 years and a high drive, high achieving Christian who's not embarrassing your dad was trying to do all those things and failing because we're not meant to, if we could, we wouldn't need God. And man, how amazing to put on Christ every day. Um, and, and yeah. it's, it's such a weird, um, practice of, we're, that's a very active thing to die to ourself and say, Christ, um, be an armor of, um, uh, the armor of righteousness and truth and justice. And I, I can't remember all the armor of God pieces, but that is Christ. I can't do those things. So be that through me. It's not passive. It's incredibly active, but it's active in a sense of, um, of inviting Christ to love through me where I can't love. How do you process that as you think through putting on Christ in me without swinging back into trying and doing? God's grace is active, isn't it? Yeah. God's grace is in. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to act in your life to accomplish things that you can't accomplish on your own. But it's kind of like God says, would you give me permission to do that? Yeah. Right. You know, sometimes it's kind of like, uh, you know, we kind of almost need to, God, God create, he, he, he has so much dignity for us, Yep. you know, and, and he gives us dignity and choice. And once we, and he says, well, you, once you, if you give me permission, I'd love to, to accomplish things that you can't accomplish on your own. Yep. So the more I can engage in God's activity like that and say, God, I can't do it. Could you, yep. would you? then it's a, it's, that's a good and beautiful life, Robbie, right there. The kingdom of God can be right here, right now. And it's a good and beautiful life. Once we trust him with those things and, and we say, you know, what what you did on the cross was so much more than my salvation. You, I'm a new creation, man. And I, and, and there's all these things that, um, I can help with and, 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 and even the, the, the beauty of the tension in my life of like what he did was complete. Um, one time I'm done, yeah. I'm new, I'm made righteous. So it's complete and it's done forever. However, every day I get to invite him anew to yeah. be my, to be, be love, joy, peace, patience kind of through me because I can't. And it's, I've been, uh, Andrew Murray is one of my favorite. Um, he died a hundred years ago, but he's been mentoring me for a long time. And so I'm going through a, uh, devotional, one of his books, uh, waiting on God. Um, and it's like 30 days and, and it slows you down and all his stuff is the same because truth is so simple. It's like surrender to God, humility, waiting on God, abide in Christ. It's all rooted in this posture of, I need you, God, um, and and trusting God. It, it is, so waiting on God is, hey, how do I trust God every day? Well, I've been realized, I was thinking about it this morning. Um, I, I, I'm actually protecting time on my calendar to pray, slow down, breathe, um, try to listen, uh, read a couple chapters, meditate on those, and even read a stinking devotional waiting on God. And I'm literally trying to get through the thing so I can get stuff done and get back to doing things because every day it's just so much easier for me to get back to earning. And you said earlier, uh, 
you know, finding worth in what we do, not who you are, is is innate in all of us. And for drive performance people, it's not embarrassing our dad, accomplishing whatever drives us. And then we become Christians and it's, okay, let me do all this stuff for God. And the subtlety of that is more compelling because it's still what I can do. It's just spiritualized and now awesome. Uh, you know, quote on air quote, awesome. Um, sorry, Zoom, I was air quoting. But the waiting on God is just like, wait, Wait is how I trust God every day, by slowing my spirit to go, God, I love you and I need you. Please be um, be my armor, um, be my new self, um, because I can't and I get you to do it. And I can't, if I don't wait, wait just means slowing down to trust and getting out of my own way of starting every day and trying and doing and gosh, because it's so much easier. And every day I do this over, um, even though I know the truth. How cool is he that loves us, that makes it complete and a daily reminder that we get to trust him anew every day? Yeah. Gosh. I, um, and there's things that we can do to kind of help that process along. I mean, hmm. you know, finally two years ago, I, you know, I might, I might come home from work and watch, uh, three minutes, three hours of news a night. It could have been. You know, turn on the TV yep. and you're watching this news and that news. And finally, you go, you know what? I'm done with that. Yeah. So I'm not even sure I've watched any news in 2022. I don't know. And I said, you know, this is a simple thing. Yeah. Simple thing. You know, you know, what are the books that you have us read? And, you know, the author, well, Jim Smith, uh, who wrote The Good and Beautiful God in his first chapter, he talks about this fact that you know, the false narrative is that we can change by willpower. Yep. And, but the Jesus narrative is you, you can't change by willpower. We change by, he calls it indirections. You, you do the things that you can do so that you have the, so God can help you do the things you can. So, That's so, so as I, so as I say, well, gee, I'm not going to watch the news. Yep. Then my mind isn't filled with all this stuff. I don't get angry. I'm not ticked off. And I and have more time to either visit with Jane or to read something or yeah. rest. And, and so little things like that. That I, I literally cannot look at my phone until I'm done with this like um, time of like slowing my mind and my heart to like um, to connect with the father and potentially hear him through the noise um, of the pace of my brain. Cause it, it, there's something in me, even that triggers once I don't listen to things on the drive into work. If I, if I have inputs, my brain gets into gear and then I, I it's just so much easier to take over into action. I love that, that practical indirection thing. Um, and what, one other thing, uh, you said earlier of just that, I was thinking back to your dad and just capturing that, that, unspoken family system or family rule of not to embarrass him. I think so many, um, that that's an unspoken rule that a lot of us in ministry have that gets in the way of us, um, being known and, and feeling the freedom to fail and be ourselves and be authentic. Um, too many pastors have this low grade, um, I can't embarrass God because of this positional thing, which robs them and uh, of being known and drives them towards isolation. And so um, I think, yeah, I was just thinking in my own life, like, do I still feel that at all? Like in this, will I say something? Will I do something that embarrasses um, God, you know, with, um, or, you know, makes him disappointed and, 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 that used to be way more frequent, and uh, and I'm really thankful that as I trust these truths more deeply and who He really says I am, like you said, those verses and and remembering these truths, it replaces the shame and the lies that I'm gonna embarrass Him with the truth of who He says I am, and that freedom, man, gosh, it is yeah. it is the 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 minority report of the beauty of what the gospel means for us yeah. of peace and freedom, yeah. so much yeah. more beyond salvation, which what you said earlier, which was so beautiful. Um, so I'm parroting what you said, which, uh, so I, that uh, I remember it cause it was just amazing. Craig, um, I, I want 
I want you to leave us with any hope or prayer or blessing that you have for us listening to this. Um, and while you think of that, I just want to thank everybody out there for being a part of this tribe, for using these tools, for partnering with us, for sharing this podcast. Um, if your church or if individually you feel like you're looking for an opportunity to go and make disciples, um, let us know. Reach out, Texas, go to trueface.org forward slash trueface journey to learn more. I think this nine month journey is going to be um, a catalyst and a tool that has a ripple in the kingdom. That will be amazing. And even just through this guy, Craig, and the, the groups you've met, that's already been realized and we have barely even launched it. Uh, so thanks, Craig. This was awesome. And thank you y'all for listening to this. Craig, what you got, what you got to leave us with? Well, I mean, I, this, you know, the big, who does God say that you are? Answer that question. I mean, really search and say, you know, God, you died for, for, the, for these reasons. Let's, let's, let's look at the whole original good news. You know, of how much he loves us, how much we're forgiven, how much we're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So uh, those were the things that got me unstuck Mm. by answering some of those questions. So um, I'll leave with that and I'll let you pray. I love it. I will meditate on that tomorrow of God, who do you say I am? And I'm going to listen and wait on God and try. And God, we pray this for all of us listening, that you reveal to us fresh insights in your love, your perspective of us, because the world is constantly infilling us and telling us who we are by what we do, by what the world says we are. And those are counter uh, to the truth of, of our identity that is bestowed by you and not these false gods of the world telling us who we are. Help us to believe that. Thank you for this man um, and, and this insight of the Spirit in his life and the freedom that's come as a result. You love us well. Amen. All right, Craig, you're awesome. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.